The Lord be with you and also with you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Loose from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters traveled with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters upon this Easter Sunday. We welcome you to the service of liturgy and music, homily and sacrament. The service is offered for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Easter Sunday, this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have broken your law. We have not done your will. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Alleluia. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us show signs of his peace to one another. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve, 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Lastly of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 118 with the antiphon.
give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my power. The Lord has become my salvation. There are joyous songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sorely, but has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Glory to you, O Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, 
not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. The Lord is risen. Some years ago, at the bedside of a dear friend and with her family, we stood as she tried to acclimate herself to the strange sights and brusque sounds and hostile new environment of the hospital room. And as she did so, partly to fend off the anxiety and alienation and trouble, she began to tell a tale that had little beginning and virtually no ending and was gibberish on the whole. It became more wild and unfastened as it rolled along And I wondered what, if anything, could be said to quell the storm. Port side, on the other side, the daughter simply stood, dealt with the pillows, fixed the bedding, mopped the brow, rubbed the arm and rubbed the arm until there was a pause, at which point said the daughter, Yes, you know, Mom, it is hard to know what is real and what is not real. 
the Easter claim in pulpit and church is that faith and love, choice and church, are real. Christ absent and Christ present. Now from that earlier illustration, we might have moved into a little bit more doer sermon. You know the proclivity of this pulpit is to pronounce sermons basically exclusively on the themes of death and sin and the joy of tithing, but we're moving on from that today. This is Easter. This is a glad day. This is a day of an Easter antinomy where the church says two things at once that are paradoxical, that are oxymoronic, that are in dialectical contention, that are antinomial. Church says Christ is absent and also that Christ is present. The first experience of the earliest Christians, attested from the earliest documents and including here in the Gospel of John, is of empty tomb, discarded grave cloths. In other Gospels, an angel voice, which even here is even eliminated, he is risen, he is not here, he is absent. These earliest witnesses saw the freedom, the expanse in life that the hidden occlusion of the silent God and the freedom of faith in Christ provides you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from 33 AD until, oh, I don't know, maybe right now, is the ongoing possibility and necessity for the pronouncement of the gift of faith, the gospel, the offering of a chance for a word intervening, saving, and healing to be spoken and to be heard. Jesus gives us freedom by stepping back, being absent, not here. And we together know from our own shared experience that faith is the gift that comes to us at Easter and places us on the edge of a chance to do something new, a need to open one door or close another, to be faithful when we cannot see the future, which is most of the time, to face our fear in faith. And that's what we have to do almost every day. You know, the script of your life, whether consciously or unconsciously that you're writing, is one that only you can craft. No one else is out there, down there, up there, in there to write it for you. Matter of fact, it's not just the script. You're going to have to find the theater and buy the theater and open it up and set the stage and get the props, check the lighting and the sound system, and act in it, and acting alone won't do it. You're going to need to sell tickets and be there in full in faith. Death makes us mortal. Facing our fear, and our fears are real, facing our fear in faith makes us human. The other day I was heading out trying to beat the traffic to get to Needham in the later afternoon. We spend in Boston much of our life trying to beat the traffic one way or another. 
was going to the 100-year-old Boston Ministers Club meeting in Needham. I emphasize that's the age of the club itself, not the average age of the membership. I had taken the wrong folder for the speech, so I came back in a hurry to the office, was about to leave, and in came a bright, happy, exuberant, effervescent 21-year-old who said, I need to talk to you. It won't take long. We sat. She said, I have had the perfect job interview, and I want to pray about it. This is the perfect job. You know, it's been a long time since I and American English have used those two words, perfect job, in the same sentence. And what a thrill to be taught again at the fountain of youth of the potential, the possibility in life. We prayed and off we went and after the Good Friday service, this two days ago, I came to the office to find, perched like a bird on the office window at the door, an envelope which read, in part, it worked, I've succeeded, I'm on to the next level, and my mother told me, quote, let your faith be larger than your fear. So as a preacher coming to Easter morning with a two-point sermon, the first of which is face your, face your fear in faith, I took that as a pretty close-to-the-bone serendipitous moment. God gives us freedom. You know, Desmond Tutu was mentioned in the newspaper the other day, how we loved him, his courage, his courage to be and to do. He had a way of making people happy. He was a happy warrior, if you will. He could take people and give them a sense of joy. Ronald Reagan went to visit him once, and maybe it had been a hard time, I don't know, in the White House, but he went and he came back and he was in a better mood. And they said, how was the trip, Mr. President? He said, good. How was South Africa? And he said, fine. Did you see the bishop? He said, yes. Well, how was Bishop Tutu? Then with a little whimsical turn, he said, Tutu, so-so. Tutu, so-so. That's a little homiletical Novocaine because I need to put a sharp needle in for a moment about Tutu. In the last 10 years of his life, he rarely spoke without saying straightforwardly, God sure must love freedom, for he gives us the freedom to go straight to hell if we should choose. God sure loves freedom. He must because he gives us the freedom to go straight to hell if we should choose. There's nobody out there painting the portrait for you. This is the gift, the potential, and the necessity of faith. The first word that the church has spoken, and we do this day, is that there is the ongoing power and possibility in the resurrection for a word spoken, not just in preaching, also elsewhere, that can be saving and intervening that it can cause you to take one more step, go one more week, try one more option, get up and move again. Because he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But the gospel of the resurrection also affirmed a second word, absence but also presence, faith but also love, choice but also church. We have Mary, not only Peter and John. You notice Peter and John, by the way, racing to the graveside. That's Peter 
representing tradition and institution, and the beloved disciple John representing gospel and spirit. Mark it well, gospel ever trumps tradition, spirit ever trumps institution. Then the narrative gives way to Mary standing in the garden, and then behind her the presence, not the absence, but the presence of the Lord. And she reports, what does she say? I have seen the Lord. The church with a happy heart was able to affirm a paradox, a dialectic, an oxymoron, an antinomy. Jesus is absent. There's the gift of faith. Jesus is present. There is the gift of love. The resurrection of the body has reference to the resurrection of the body of Christ, which is the church. You know, in the ministry, you can go a long while doing funerals without ever being invited to be a pallbearer. I probably was in the ministry 25 years before I was asked to be a pallbearer in one family situation I was. It's the same in other things. You do weddings before you're a bride or a groom. You marry off other people's sons and daughters before you have the expense, I mean the experience of marrying off your own. And then, having instructed pallbearers forever, you're invited to lift physical, bodily, the casket on a snowy day. Our home region is two seasons, winter and the 4th of July, so this was one of the latter. Carrying, moving, just like this morning, the church in body and the singing of the hymns and the organ behind, the reading of the scripture and the gospel itself, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by faith and the loving tribute to a loving Methodist lady by a congregation that loved her through and through. You could feel it. Later we went to the Grange Hall I'm checking the choir to see whether they've learned what a Grange Hall is, but it's an agricultural and rural institution, very important in many communities we've served. We had a collation, as my mother would call it, a meal. Sitting in the Grange somewhere at about the age 94, Mrs. Skinner remembered being assigned with her minister husband to Conifer, New York, which is the end of the railroad, or then was in the Adirondacks, logging and farming. One road in, one road out, and a railroad that went up and turned around, like ours here at Boston College at the end of the line. They met in the Grange Hall, so she said, this is a memory of one Grange and another. And we, she said, we worked for about five years, and pretty soon we had a, a nice congregation, and we saved some money, and we wanted to build a church. And then along came that Lent, one of the Uh, relatives of someone in the congregation who had been a missioner in China for 25 years. She spent that week with them. She taught and learned with them. She spoke about the hurt, the need, the longing, the possibility of that then now closed off mission in China. And after she'd gone to bed the last night, the congregation sat by the boiler in the Grange and a man stood up and said, you know, I... We could build our church here, and I'd like to get out of this Grange Hall, but we've been here five years. The boiler works, sort of. The hymnals are in the corner. She needs this money. Why don't we give it to her to take down the railroad and off to China? And as Mrs. Skinner finished, she said, And they 
did. The church's affirmation is that love is real and is experienced in real time when real people in real ways really work at it. And it's not just in religious clothing. Two or three years ago, we were invited back to our alma mater where Jan and I met in the choir on the east side of Syracuse. And there, the next day, there was in that high school that had been one of the best in the country, but now was one of the most challenged. They had a a fundraiser, a pancake breakfast, just like you were doing, some of you, earlier. And they flipped pancakes, and they fried bacon, and they toasted muffins. And they also raised money and sold tickets. And as I was leaving, how glad I am I heard this whisper. I heard one person say to another, I just believe, I have to believe that this school can work again if we will love it enough. You can put in for that word school, Girl Scout troop, library, community center, college, enterprise. Could I try to insert here the word country? I just have to believe that this country will work if we will together love it enough. The Eastern Antinomy announces two contraries that stand together in paradox. Christ absent and Christ present. Christ in absence gives us the gift of faith. Christ in presence gives us the power of love. Christ in absence teaches us who we are at your own most self. Christ in presence gives us the beloved community. Christ absent gives Peter the courage to be, to experience resurrection and participation before doctrine. And Christ gives Mary in presence a chance to enjoy the community of saints all about her. Christ present and Christ absent, your Easter antinomy. It's good in the winter sometime to go over to Kingston, Ontario, where we sat, taking refuge in a bitter cold day in a nice restaurant with the fire crackling. And then in the quiet, that familiar, broken, baritone, Montreal voice of Leonard Cohen saying, Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Faith and love, choice and church, absence, presence, Easter antinomy. The Lord is risen.
Alleluia! Christ is risen! Christ is risen indeed! Alleluia! Please be seated. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. You know, the news of the resurrection came a bit early this year here at Marsh Chapel. More particularly, it came on Tuesday evening when we received word that our very own Marsh associate, Devin Harvin, was elected president of the Boston University student body along with uh, uh, with with the rest of BU Build. And uh, so we offer him a warm Easter congratulations this morning. As we move to communion in our service this morning, we note that there is wine in the chalices on the pulpit side, grape juice in the chalices on the lectern side. There will also be communion stations in the narthex for those in the balcony. Just come down the stairs to receive there. We also may catch a few of you in the back few pews back there as well. Following the service today, we invite any children among us to join us for an egg hunt on the lawn next to the chapel and... uh, You best hurry or my own daughters will get them all before you get there. (laughs) We need to take a slightly more somber moment and recognize here at Marsh Chapel and in the Boston University community that this week we need to move back to cross and tomb as we commemorate the life and legacy of the most distinguished Boston University alumnus, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., on the 50th anniversary of his assassination. This Wednesday at 6 p.m., we will have a a service of worship to commemorate his life here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. Our guest preacher will be the Reverend Cornell William Brooks, former president of the NAACP and current visiting professor at Boston University. Our commemoration will continue next Sunday at 11 o'clock here in the nave, where we will welcome to the pulpit former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick. We hope to see you here then. All other Boston University uh, offerings in commemoration of Dr. King are available in your bulletin. We hope you will take note and join us for those as you are able. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Randall Thompson's setting of the Alleluia. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
for the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit by your great mercy we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, 
All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our
May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. support us all the day long of this troublous life 
until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us safe rest, happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.